Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Jose Shorty Torres. Jose, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. And obviously, you're a very hyped prospect. And, you know, it's funny. The way I heard about you is I see, uh, you know, my boy John Jones posting pictures with Jose Shorty Torres. I was like, all right. Who's this Jose Shorty Torres kid? And I looked you up and, you know, 25-1 and amateur record, two-time national champion, and currently you're undefeated as a pro, man. So uh, welcome to Half the Battle. And can you talk about your wrestling credentials a little bit? Yeah, so, um, you know, I had 100-plus wins in college from junior college, and I also wrestled Division II. I was an All-American in junior college. I uh, was able to go the full ride out of it because of academics and my wrestling. Um, I played so many tournaments. I went 2-2 two and two at the Midlands. Um, you know, it's it's been awesome, man. You know, 100 plus wins. At least I know I, I did something in college, and yeah, it definitely plays well for the MMA game. 100 plus wins. I mean, one doesn't simply win 100 plus times in college wrestling. I mean, what does that do for your mindset when you transition to a sport like MMA? Because you have to be very mentally strong. Well, I mean, for me, you know, I've always I've always had fun. You know, that's always been my natural philosophy: going there, having fun. Like I never went in there. Given obviously the goal is to win, but I never went into the win. I never went into the lose. I just went in there and been like, hey, man, I'm doing this sport. I want to have some fun. If I won, hey, I won. If I lost, I lost. I'll try again later, you know. So my mentality is definitely a lot different from a lot of these other MMA fighters and wrestlers. Where they go in there angry, serious, so they need to, to do this, do that. Dude, I'm just going in there having fun. and just, you know, I guess lucky for me, everything's been working out really, really well. That's a very interesting mindset. So you say you're just having fun, but, I mean, when you have faced defeat in the past, I mean... I doubt that was fun. I mean, did it piss you off, or did you just take the lessons and apply them, you know, going forward? Uh, I literally, it's, it's funny because uh, my college coach and I were very, very different. Um, he was the win-win-win philosophy, and I was the fun, fun, fun. I didn't care if I won or lost. You know, so after I lost, you know, some matches, because it's, it's bound to happen, I accepted it. I was like, oh, man, you beat me. You know, you're the better man today. Thanks, I appreciate it. You have a good day, and uh, I hope I get to beat you next time. But that was pretty much it compared to some of these guys. They get so pissed off or so mad or so frustrated. It's like, hey, man, it's, it's just a sport. You know, you're bound to lose. It's almost impossible not to lose. You know, so for me, I accept the fact you, you're the better man that day and come back, have fun again. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up a very good point. I was actually going to bring this up later on in the show, but since you touched on it, let's get down to it. So you went 25-1 and one as an amateur, and I wanted to talk about that, that only setback you had because, in my opinion, it's important for fighters to take that first loss because you learn so much and then you grow and evolve. And you know, no one gets out of this sport undefeated unless you're uh, you know, John Jones or something, but uh, how important was it for you to take that first L? Actually, that... Yeah, I faced a guy named Andre Feliciano. I get that question so many times, and I give that guy so much credit. So when I joined um, my gym, I was that cocky teenager. I'm I'm the best guy in the world. No one could ever could ever beat me. I can beat up anyone. And uh, yeah, no, I never really had a fight. So I went in there for my first MMA fight. I was supposed to be at 125, and uh, you know, I dropped the weight there. And I never really wrestled much either. I was just a basic high school wrestler. And they go, Hey, man, your fighter didn't show up. I said, well, I, I, have, I sold tickets. I'm here. I want to fight. Do you have anybody? And they go, well, the 35-pound champions guy didn't show up either. Do you want to fight him? I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I don't see why not. So I went in there, and literally I know he was 5-0, and all first-round TKOs. He's never been, you know, past the first round. And he's just demolishing guys in the Chicago neighborhood. And he's about to go pro. So this was supposed to be his last fight. I go in there, and for some reason, all I did was Muay Thai kickboxing. So I was very nervous wearing the small MMA gloves 
And I was like, oh, man, somebody's going to film me getting knocked out and scream out World Star or something. You know, just I, I started to get nervous. And I thought about it too much. So when I went in there, I did the very basic combination, not thinking to try to knock him out. And he takes me down and just beats me up. And the second round comes in. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm a little awake now. He slapped me in the face. I'm up. I go to kick him, no setup whatsoever. I break my foot in the, in the second round. I end up uh, kicking his elbow. But after that, you know, I kept on going. I believe I won the second round. The third round comes in. We could have gone either way. You know, it, I was a stand-up fighter, and he was a typical wrestler. And he was taking me down. I was beating him up on the seat, and he ended up winning by decision. And from there, you know, I, I took some time off, you know, to recover my foot. And it was just, it was a learning experience where, dude, you're going to be beat. You're not the best in the world. Accept the fact and just have fun through the process. If I, I went in there super nervous, and by the, the, uh, the second and third round, I was like, oh, my God, I could actually beat this guy. You know, but it was already too late by that point because he scored so many takedowns in the first and second round. So, yeah, it, it was it was definitely a learning experience. It definitely humbled me. And ever since then, you know, even win or lose, I you know I've done kickboxing, MMA boxing, uh, Muay Thai, all that stuff. I'm bound to lose, and I have lost in those sports besides MMA right now. And, you know, it, it's just a fun experience. And again, I'm gonna, it's gonna happen. I'm bound to lose, but until that day comes, you know, I'm just enjoying what I have, and I'm still gonna enjoy what I have even when I do lose. There you go. And you said this guy took you down. I mean, was this before your college wrestling career? Yeah, this was actually before I started wrestling in, in college. I, I was a basic high school wrestler, you know, the, the typical average varsity guy. You know, you win some, you lose some. And uh, he was just a bigger, stronger, more experienced MMA fighter. And there's so much, there's, there's a huge difference between MMA wrestling and, you know, wrestling in high school or college. You're not getting punched in the face. Compared to what's, what's Mike Tyson, or I can't remember the guy who actually quoted it, but everyone has a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, the guy would shoot in, and he would take me down, and it wouldn't even be a real shot. It would just be a stand-up shot because he didn't run, want to uh, run into a knee or whatever it was. So it definitely caught me off guard uh, with, with so many things. And it taught a lot. It taught me the sport of MMA because of him. I, I literally think if I wouldn't have won that match, or if I would have won that match, I would have definitely lost either my next one or the, you know a few after that. I would have never have gone twenty five and you know twenty five straight. Yeah, and you mentioned how you know pure wrestling and MMA wrestling are two completely different things. That's something we talk about on half the battle all the time. And obviously, I was watching some of your college wrestling footage and the way you'd set up your takedowns. You know, in MMA, it, you have to set it up with the strikes. So I got to know, man, what was it like transitioning from? you know, setting up those takedowns with the strikes to just setting them up naked like you would in, in uh, high school or college? It was it was definitely a different experience. You know, obviously I've had, you know, 25-plus fights after that one. And doing, you know, I, I'm one to not learn by mentorship. I'm one to actually learn through experience of, you know, I got I to gotta get beat up first and then I go, oh, okay, maybe that hurt a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't do it again. So after that, I fought at 145. <laughs> so I bumped up two weight classes, fought at 45, and I remember fighting a guy that was six foot two, you know, and uh, I had no choice but to take him down. So learning how to take him down in the first round compared to the second round, second round, he automatically expected I was going to go for a shot. So I ran, in, I ran into knees, I ran into, you know, punches, uppercuts, all that stuff. So I had to definitely transition into the third round, and after that, my next fight, and my next fight in wrestling became a little, part, a little more part of my game when it came to MMA. But right now, the only time I use wrestling um, – is on the ground or on the cage. I'm more of a judo guy. I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge thrower. I don't know if you saw my last fight, but I'm, that's all I do. I will, I will not shoot unless you're on defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a thrower, and that's, that taught me a lot. I don't want to run into any knees or, you know, any punches in the face. It definitely sucks. Yeah, so you say you like the judo throws. I mean, do you uh, find it easier to close that distance with your strikes, or do you let them come to you? 
Um, I prefer them coming to me. Uh, yeah, I can be an attacker. I'm more of a counter fighter. But overall, this is at least my mindset of wrestling. Sometimes you have to be some distance away, mainly if you want to go for the legs um, or if you're doing an inside tie. But with judo and MMA, naturally it's going to happen. We're bound to tie up. Either you attack and I stay still, you're going to run into me or around the fence, or you're trying to be a wrestler and take me down. There's going to be times where I'm going to be able to hold you and throw you. And more than likely, so far at least, knock on wood, Everything's been working very, very well for me where I'm throwing people most of the time in almost every match at least once. So it works out really well. And I, I mean, judo's helped me with, you know, my stand-up game and, you know, even in my wrestling. And I mean, if you see my, see my uh, wrestling highlight films, half of that is pretty much throws and rolls. And that's all judo. It really is. So, I mean, is your favorite takedown a judo throw, a hip toss, or, or what? I mean, obviously yeah. you told me that's what you like to do in MMA, but is that your go-to? Yeah, actually, that is that is my go-to. I was usually a person, I'm a very good conditioning athlete, you know, conditioning athlete where most of the time in wrestling, I was losing the first two periods, and then, you know, at the end of the second and beginning of the third, I'm just rushing forward, you know, doing all the stuff I do, and most of the time, you know, people expect a headlock or a lateral. That's pretty much a wrestler's favorite five-point move, and for me, I would always throw, throw a fireman or a Yoko card, which is a Jack Wizard, or just any other throw that people wouldn't expect or to counter when they try to get away from a lateral headlock. So I automatically set them up to it. And that was, that was always my five-point move. You know, in college, I, at least in, in junior college, I had the most pins in my team. I had the most uh, five-point moves in my team just because it was always throwing. You know, people shoot in. If they didn't shoot low enough, I picked them up, and then I, I was able to toss them. And that was just always my game plan. And the great thing about a judo throw is that it's all momentum-based. It doesn't really matter how big you are. You know, you're just uh, using someone's momentum against them. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the best part. I mean... It's all, it's all physics and just science, you know, lateral most of the time. Oh, I don't want to get lateral. I'm going to stick my butt out. Yoko Carter or Jack Wizard was my favorite throw. You stick your butt out. That's the, that's the thing I wanted to do. So that was my setup where I rush it forward. People stick their butt out, have enough space, and I toss them over. It's pretty much a nice arm spin. And uh, I get them over that way. Or same thing with firemen. I mean, trust me, that throws are my bread and butter. That's, that's something I, I truly love, and I wish people did more in the MMA game. Well, hey, maybe you're going to be the guy to bring it to the big stage. But let me ask you this, Jose, because you mentioned how in high school wrestling, you know, you'd win some, you'd lose some, almost kind of like a like a journeyman. But in college, I mean, you know, you won, you're a two-time national champion. So what was the difference? Was it a matter of hard work? Was it your mindset? What changed that let you go on that kind of streak? Oh, uh, well, correction, don't mean to correct, but in college, I was only a, uh, All-American once. I was able to play fourth in the nation. And then uh, when I got to Division Two, sadly I didn't qualify my first year. I, well, I was a red shirt, and I didn't qualify for my uh, for my first year. I did beat the national champ to be though. Um, and then my last year, sadly my coach and I didn't see eye to eye, and I was let go from the team. So sadly I didn't get to finish my last college career, which would have been awesome. Uh, I definitely would have placed if everything would have worked well. But yeah, woulda, shoulda, coulda. But I did at least in MMA. I was a two-time national champ, and I was a two-time world champion. But I'm telling you, the wrestling definitely definitely helped and it's it's actually really cool again i don't know if anybody saw my last fight but i didn't use any wrestling it was all judo and just boxing and that was the best part about it where the commentators like oh he's gonna look for the takedown here he's gonna shoot a double i want to take away from that stereotype of hey wrestlers can can stand up in vain too you know so it's it's definitely a fun time man and i was gonna ask you what's your favorite discipline in mma not named wrestling but i think you just told me judo and boxing are those your two favorites yeah, judo and boxing is usually my thing. I try my best to, to throw as many kicks as possible, but, yeah, I, I like to just stand up and bang, man. Yeah, I like to put on a great show for the, for the fans. And, again, 
last fight, I wasn't able to finish the guy, but at least I know I, I, I put in some work and everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, and how important was it for you to go that full three-round distance? Because with a lot of these guys, you know, they uh, they finish guys in the first round, but once they get past that first round, it's a whole other game. But for you, in your second pro fight, you did go the full 15-minute distance. How invaluable was that experience? It was awesome. I mean, for people who don't know, I did have a... Um, a guy who had 16 pro fights already, he was a veteran. He might have not had the best record, but the experience is what matters. And he's never been finished out of his losses. So my initial goal was like, oh, i got to finish the guy. I want to be able to be the one to finish a guy who's never been finished. And push him forward, that guy can take a punch, he can take a kick. I means everything I threw at him, I mean, the guy had, I mean, he ruined my shorts. He had blood all over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the guy was a phenomenal athlete and an extreme, you know, he had extreme heart and he wouldn't give up. But for me to get those five minutes and finally those 15 minutes again it's i've had 26 amateur fights but they're all three 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 compared to finally getting my first five i was like okay all right this is this is definitely different this is a, a very long round and after that you know i obviously got into the group of things but after the fight i was like god that fight felt like it was forever you know it's it's definitely going from amateur pro and facing a guy who just won't stop moving forward pretty much the diego sanchez or the clay guida of of my of my fight i mean it was an awesome, awesome experience. I'm just excited for the next one. It's just going to make me stronger. Yeah, and I want to talk about the placement of your kicks because you said earlier that you love throwing those kicks, and a lot of your kicks are actually below the knee. It's almost like a sweep to get your opponent off balance, and then you can uh, rush in there with a nice one, two, three. So, I mean, when you throw those kicks below the knee, is it to get them off balance so you can charge in with a nice combo or what? You know, for me, I most of the time, you know, I throw my kicks at the end of the combination, you know, so hopefully none of my opponents or soon-to-be opponents are listening to this, but I usually <laughs> throw my combination, and I throw my kick. The reason why I throw my kick at the knee or a little above or a little below is just be able to hit the joint so I can turn them. Most of the time, usually if I throw a few punches, you're not going to like it, and you're going to want to throw back. But when I know you're throwing back, a lot of people get knocked out. Once they throw a kick, they get caught by that overhand right or something because they don't move their head or whatever, whatever the case is. I want to be able to take that situation away. So every time I throw my combination, when I throw my kick, it's right at the knee joint. So it turns them and it gives them less of a chance to counter me. There you go. There's some uh, Technique 101 on half the battle. Now I got to ask you, man, how do you deal with the hype and the expectations? Because, you know, I spoke to Matt Brown, the number five welterweight on planet Earth, and he told me that basically once he started believing the hype, that's when he lost three fights in a row. But once he said, you know, fuck the hype, I'm just going to be me, then he went on a seven-fight win streak and, you know, made it to a fight with Robbie Lawler. So, for you, how do you deal with the hype and expectations? Well, I can, I can t- give you probably the best example for me is my very first, my, my pro debut, you know, people are like, dude, you only get your pro debut once, you're, you know, two-time world champion, only one in the world, you know, biggest amateur record ever, you know, yada, yada, yada. I had so much hype, which is awesome. And I'm a kid that, that never expected to get this far. Like, I joined the sport for fun. And it just ended up amounting to something, you know. So when I went in there, I was like, oh, the whole week was just, just anxiety. You know, I had interview over interview over interview, people expecting me to win. And I was like, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, but it's not a for sure. You know, like, what if I get knocked out? What if he does this? What if he does that? So, you know, I was definitely getting very, very nervous and very anxious for the fight. But then once I won, I was like, oh, you know, nerves are over. Yeah, I did it. And then after that, you know, people kept on raising me up. Then I was fighting a tougher fight. For some reason with this one, I was like, you know what? Screw the hype. If I lose, I lose. I see so many friends. You know, I went to Jackson Wink MMA, and I was like, dude, I'm smart with BJ Penn. I'm smart with John Dotson, you know, Demacio Page, Diego Brandau, um, you know, so many more. I was like, I'm smart with some of the best. These local guys, even if they beat me, I'm going to get nothing but great training. I'm going to grow 
throughout. Again, I'm just having fun in the sport. So being able to get back to my roots and realizing that, just, again, for people who didn't see my last fight, I walked out smiling, walking out, having fun, laughing, waving at the camera, having a great time. So even after the fight, win, lose, whatever the case was, I had an amazing time. So just for my next fight, I know it's going to be tougher. I know it's going to keep on going. I've got to have fun, just stick to my roots, and I know people are going to support me regardless. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned, you know, sparring with John Dodson. And I heard an interview you did in the past where, they, you know, one of your first days there, they were like, hey, you want to spar with John Dodson? But I got to know, man, what's it like sparring with a legend like BJ Penn? Because, I mean, even for experienced fighters, they even get a bit starstruck around that guy. Well, it was funny because he's walking around. He's, a, he's an extremely humble guy. Like, that's, that's the guy you want to be if you ever become, you know, the next big star. He's walking around shaking everyone's hand. People are trying to take pictures of him. Like he, he can't even go throughout his day without, you know, 10 or 20 people asking for a picture. But he, uh, I see him around. I, I want to spar with him, but he's a little busy. And then one of the days, he just, you know, right in the morning, gets up. He looks at me. He goes, hey, Shorty, do, um, can you go with me in the first round? And we'll just go as many times as I can. I was like, uh, yeah, sure. You know, I've already sparred with John Dodson and Sergio Pettis, but, you know, BJ Penn's already up there. He's already created his legacy. Like, he doesn't need to fight anymore, but he just does it because he loves the sport. But, you know, him coming to me and saying that, I immediately looked at my friends and was like, did BJ Penn just ask me to spar with him? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, either he really likes me or he really doesn't like me. I'm making my ass kick. You know, like, what's, what's, what's going to happen? And um, going in there, it was just an awesome time. You know, I'm able to take down BJ. I'm able to do my stand-up game. He's able to do the same thing back. And I can tell you this, out of everything, going with BJ and having a good time, Anyone, whoever listens to this, if you plan to go BJ, anything, your game plan is never let him ever take your back. That is the worst possible <laughs> thing to happen. I mean, I was Kenny Florian, and he was BJ Penn. Like, I knew what I had to do, but he just kept on, you know, just doing what he was doing. He's, he's a phenomenal jiu-jitsu athlete. And, um, he's so flexible. He's so durable, man. It was, it was an awesome learning experience, and, uh, you know, he knows my coach very well, so just Having him take care of me of my whole training camp was an amazing experience. And to say that I spar with BJ Penn is, yeah, it's it's definitely an honor. That's incredible, dude. And obviously they say what happens in the gym stays in the gym. But, I mean, how hard does BJ Penn hit, dude? Oh, okay. So, my, you know, I'm, I'm known for being a small guy with a very big head and a very big chin. That's just that's just my my thing that, you know, people look at, you know, if you go, hey, who's shorty? It's a guy with a big head and big chin over there. So, I have a big chin. It's very, very hard to choke me out. It's very hard to get under this. So, you know, he takes my back, and he's trying to he's trying to get under my neck. And this is, you know, after so many rounds of him doing almost the same thing. He's taking my back, and he's punching me in the face so he can hopefully get my head up. You know, I'm just like, no, I'm not. I don't care. I am not lifting my chin. I don't care how many times you punch me. I don't care what you do to me. I'm never lifting my chin. And he, obviously, he was getting aggravated. He was struggling. But you could tell in the punches, like, he's not saying anything, but you can tell that the punches are getting harder and harder. And he's getting more and more frustrated and into it, trying to choke me out. And I remember he mounted me. He just, I said, what do you, this is just sparring. He was so upset because he wasn't able to go into my chin. He wanted to tap me out. But he's just punching the hell out of me. And it actually felt like a real fight. Like, I looked at him. I was like, this guy's actually trying to kill me. <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, my God. And I, it's BJ. It's not like some average Joe or, you know, some guy at your level. It's BJ that knows and has done this before. Like, you've seen him do this on TV before, and after he licks his gloves, you know, creating fear from everyone, you know. So I was like, oh, my God, this guy's punching me. I'm rolling. I'm trying to get out of stuff. And eventually, you know, I survived the round, and I'm very, I was very, very happy about it. But he was just like, dude, you never freaking quit. I was like, 
I just don't want you to go in my chin. I don't care what else you do to me. I just, with my pride, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and I, we ended up going again after that. You know, we just had fun. That's, that's really all it is. And we know at the end of the day, it's just, it's just those five minutes. I hate you for five minutes. And it was, you know, best friends after. So, you know, having DJ Penn show me a lot of things. Again, I went with them probably 12 rounds total. I've learned so much more in those 12 rounds than sparring with some people I've sparred with for, you know, months. It's, it's an amazing experience to go with somebody that much better than you. And just seeing the little, you know, twerks and quirks that they do. Wow, man. That's, that's quite unbelievable. And that's cool that he congratulated you on your heart because heart goes a long way. But I got to ask you, so when he's on top of you and he's punching you, so for the first two punches, is it like, oh, it's BJ Penn punching me. But then after that, it's like, all right, I got to move. This is a fight. Well, I, okay, so I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people saw his last fight against Frankie Edgar. And he got criticized a lot because of his, uh, his new stand-up, you know, his stance. It was, it was very basic. It was getting taken down a lot. And it looked like, um, you know, like somebody new was fighting. It, was, it wasn't the usual BJ. And so he did the same stance against me. I was like, okay, I, I, I know how to, how to defeat this. I'm fine. So every time, either if I landed my combination or not, somehow I was always still getting punched in the face. But it was, it was one of those things where you ever, you ever see the movies where the, the pupil is trying to do, do things to the master and the master just hits him out of nowhere and the pupil's like, what, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, all right, yeah. yeah, let's start again. And, and it happens again. That's pretty much what it was. Like, I saw a basic stance. I was like, all right, cool. I know how to defeat this. I've seen this on TV. I can do it. And I feel like I'm hitting them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And somehow I'm getting punched in the face. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Can somebody tell me what I'm doing wrong? Because I have no clue how to get past this. But eventually, you know, I was able to take him down and do all that stuff. But, you know, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, I was mind blown. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. It's like, this is why you're BJ Penn. Yeah, there you go. I mean, total legend. And real quick, you mentioned that stance. I mean, is he going to be coming out on his tippy toes against Dennis Seaver, or can we expect some uh, vintage prodigy? I'm I'm assuming he's going to do some vintage stuff, man. He, he was very aggressive against me. He wasn't, um, you know, he definitely wasn't standing still. He was definitely pushing the pace. And he's getting in some great shape at, you know, Jackson Wink MMA. He's, he's definitely pushing the pace, and that's one of the reasons why he wanted to go with I mean, a few wrestlers, you know, that's what we do is we attack, 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 and we never stop moving. And his condition is going to be phenomenal. I can't see him at all losing this fight. That's good to hear because, I mean, we want to see the legend get his hand raised because he's one of the guys, you know, when we first started watching this sport, you know, BJ Penn, he's a total hero, man. So definitely want to see him do great things. Now I got to ask you this. How far do you want to take this, Jose? When do you want to fight in the UFC? Um, you know, for me, if, if I were to have everything planned the way I wanted to, um, again, I'm only 2-0. I do have a lot of hype under me right now. I know after my last fight, my Twitter was blowing up. People were trying to start a Twitter battle between me and the, the Titan FC champion. And, <laughs> and there, I was like, oh, well, at least I know I'm going places and people are trying to quit a Twitter battle. And also, you know, some people don't have UFC Fight Pass. You know, in my neighborhood, they don't know what it is. So what they decided to do was go live on Facebook, film it, and then post it on my wall so everyone can see the fight. And I was like, oh, at least I know I'm going places and people bootleg my fights. So I was like, yeah, you know. Um, but for me, my ultimate goal is I, I would like to go two more wins for Titan FC. Uh, I would like this one to be at 125 for a title contender shot, uh, most likely in September. And then after that, I would like to fight for the title, whoever it is, if it's Tim Elliott or if anyone beats him. You know, so that that is my ultimate goal, and then be able to move up to the UFC with the belt already in my hand. And then, you know, hopefully, I there's there's nothing as I'm 23. I, there's no reason to move super quick. I, would I love to be in the UFC already? Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone would. But 
it's a process, and there's a reason why I had 26 fights. It's the experience, and that's the experience that got me here, and it's going to be the experience that gets me in the UFC. Yeah, I respect that a lot. That's the mindset of a champion to understand that you have to get that experience because pro fights are a completely different thing. It's not just showing up at the gym anymore. So I applaud you, my friend. So you said that you're actually eyeing flyweight. I mean, is that cut tough for you at all or, or what? Um, well, I did make it five straight years in college. It's not a fun cut. And there is a difference in college wrestling compared to making a fight or making weight for a fight every you know two or three months. Um, you know, college, you have to make it every weekend or even twice every week. So it definitely was a grueling, grueling task that I, I never want to do again, where it was every single weekend. Um, that, I mean, that, that almost traumatized me. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible experience. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why it kept me from going to nationals because it depleted my body of energy. I had less muscle, you know, there was, there was nothing in me and I wasn't eating properly. And that's why I'm very happy to have uh, nutrition by my side, but Doing this 125 cut, working with nutrition, I mean, I got down from 155. Naturally, I weigh 145 now, which is awesome. And then 145 making 35 is a piece of cake. Usually, people lose that in a day right before their fight or the day of the weigh-in. You know, so it's, for me, I'm, my very first fight, I was a pound and a half under the day before. You know? So I was like, this is easy. And having lube on my side, I don't see why making 25 should be a problem. So I'm actually, um, it's going to be a different experience. I'm very eager to make this, and I, I believe my next fight is in September. So I have plenty of time to do it properly and make sure I can do it right in a healthy way. Yeah, Lutrition's the man. You know, we actually talked a little bit in Vegas for John Jones' fight. Very cool guy. And I got to ask you, so obviously with Lutrition's methods, every guy that works for him gets super shredded, lean, and ripped. But I want to ask you, what's your energy level like on fight day? So my energy level is actually pretty high. Um, what he likes to do is involve, um, it, it, pretty much we call it sugar doping, is 10 days before the fight, or usually around 10 days, depending on how your energy levels are, you're taking a sugar amount every two hours to make sure your energy levels are up. You know, because you're already losing weight, your body's feeling a little bit different, and you're a little smaller. You know, so you're getting close to the weight. And once you start sugar doping, you have a, a constant level of sugar every single hour of the day. And by the time the fight comes, I mean, once weigh-ins are there, you know, I, I lose whatever I need of for weigh-ins. Um, you know, whether I think the last fight I was only three pounds over, so that's, you know, 20 minutes in the sauna and I'm done. And then after that, you know, I get to drink my water, and it's, it's the usual thing. That's the difference between weight cutting and weight management. People who cut weight are depleted of all this sugar. They're depleted of all this, you know, fats, carbs, proteins, whatever you want to, you know, say they're depleted of. And they're exhausted during the fight, so by the time they, after weigh-ins, go to indulge in whatever, they either eat too much or their body doesn't let go of what they just ate, so their body bulks up and looks bloated, um, and they, they just look fat and out of shape, and they get tired so much faster compared to managing your weight, getting down there, and then, you know, you deplete yourself for, let's say, let's say you are 10 pounds over. You're depleting yourself for a few hours, and your body's back at it. It doesn't have enough time to realize, oh, I'm in starvation mode. You know, so it doesn't hold on to anything once you start indulging in whatever you're going to eat. So, I mean, I was happy with my energy levels. And after this fight, I mean, being able to go 15 minutes with only a three-week training camp, I feel pretty good about it. And I'm excited to, to drop down to 25. It's going to be a new experience for me. Wow. You guys literally have it down to a science. I mean, is there any stuff like, because uh, my boy Vic, uh, James Vic, you know, he's six foot three and he makes 155 pounds. He has to cut a lot of weight, but he has a good uh, nutritionist. And he, uh, Lockhart has him doing some stuff like, you know, at a certain time, he has to eat like eight almonds and set the room to a certain temperature. I mean, are you doing any crazy shit like that? Um, definitely not. I know, 
I've, I've read into, and given, I, I don't know them personally, I don't know extremely everything they do, but I've read into Lockhart stuff, I've read into Dolce stuff, and they've, they've both been criticized by stuff, mainly Dolce and Lockhart, not too much, but, you know, nutrition has definitely brought it down to an extreme science of, hey, this is how you do it. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not trying to tell you how to diet, because this, this is the best example. If I go, my, my craving is usually the bag of chips. You know, that I, love, I love Mexican chips. So if I go, Lou, I want to have this bag of chips. If nutrition goes, hey, if your bag of chips has the right amount of protein, carbs, and fats that I want you to have for this meal, I don't care what you eat. As long as it has what I want you to eat in it, you're fine. You know, so it doesn't matter if I'm eating broccoli, rice, and chicken or a bag of chips. As long as it has the proper amount of protein, carbs, and fats, I can have it. And that's the best thing about it, that there's no such thing as a diet. There's no such thing as a cheat meal. Because if I wanted, for, for Johnny Hendricks, he was telling me that Johnny Hendricks was craving a cookies and cream milkshake. He goes, okay, cool. You want a cookies and cream milkshake? I will make it for you, you know, especially nutrition made. So it's nutrition approved, and it has everything I want you to have in your regular meal. You know, it's not like you're, you're having a cheat meal. So he gets a hat. Johnny Hendricks had a freaking milkshake for his last fight. You know, this was like two weeks before his fight. And he's still, when's the last time you've seen Johnny Hendricks come out with a six-pack? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you said it right there, man. So, that's badass. I might need to have to call up nutrition myself. Be like, dude, I want to eat pizza, so tell me how to do it. Nutrition approved. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's, I've never, my, my other example is I went to, to watch some fights. I, there was nothing to eat. There was besides concession stands, like burgers and hot dogs. And I go, dude, I'm, I'm starving. He goes, all right, well. Um, if you're not going to eat for a few hours, go to concessions. I'm like, all right, cool, but they only have a, a burger. I'm assuming that's probably the better choice. Goes, yeah, get a burger, take off the cheese, just eat the patty, half the bun, and just drink some water. You'll be fine. You know, drink a little more water so we get the salt out, you know, flush out a little better. But that's, that's it. You have your proper protein, carbs, and fats. You're good, man. You know, they'll hold you for a few hours, and you go home and have a regular meal. There you go, man. That's badass. So in your opinion, besides getting better everywhere, what do you need to work on the most? For me, um, one thing that I have not at all practiced yet, um, I guess since college, is strength and conditioning. I believe that's probably the biggest thing that I want to want to uh, improve is get stronger and get leaner during my fights. You know, I'm I feel very comfortable on my back now, even for being a wrestler. I've never been that's something I'm very proud of. I was never pinned in college. I was pinned once in high school, so I'm very very proud of my accomplishment with that. So it's very very different to be on my back, but I'm getting more comfortable on my back. I'm getting comfortable with getting on the ground and just, you know, I'm doing the whole MMA game. So MMA wise, I'm just, you know, I feel very comfortable, but I know there's definitely many things I always still need to improve on. But for me right now, outside of MMA and strength and conditioning, I want to be able to get stronger, faster, and be one of those UFC top contender elite athletes. And that's my ultimate goal. And, you know, with that, I believe that's going to help. Earlier, we spoke about your mindset. You said you just like to have a lot of fun. But is there anything you do for the mental side of things? I mean, do you listen to any seminars, read any books, anything with the law of attraction? Or is it just the same mindset we talked about earlier? Have fun with it. Uh, this is this is my best example. Like, why did you join a sport as a kid? Most of the time, people joined the sport or soccer or whatever sport it was as a kid because they thought it was fun. When they stopped wanting to play, is because it wasn't fun anymore. So for me when I was in college wrestling, because I was cutting weight so much, I never had the motivation to do it anymore. It wasn't, it wasn't funny anymore. I was like, oh, dude, I'm not just wrestling. I'm killing my body throughout the process. It's not fun. Now, so I never wanted to wrestle by the end of my career, and that's where my coach and I definitely disagreed on. But with MMA, I'm not killing myself. I'm having a good time. I'm going there sparring, having fun. Like, 
don't know if you guys ever watched Dragon Ball Z, but you know, Goku was my biggest inspiration as a child. So his mindset was always going in there and going, oh, that's the biggest guy in the room. I want him. I want to take him. I don't care if I, you know, get beat up or not. I want to be able to take him, and that's how I'm going to learn. And that's always been my mindset of just having fun. Yeah, I went to Jones, and I picked him up one day just for the fun of it, and that's one of the pictures of the, you know, Jones and I. Yeah, I went with some of the guys that were bigger than me just to pick him up for the fun of it. You know, one of the training camps I did with Jackson Wink, I rolled around with a 170-pounder. You know, I don't have to do that. I can definitely go with the smaller guys, but I wanted to go with somebody bigger just to get a different feel and learn different things, get better experience. So, for me, I have fun. The things, the only, the only things I do on the side besides MMA is I hang out with kids. Um, there's a bunch of adopted kids in my neighborhood that I take care of, and this is all my side stuff. Where all my money goes to them. Yeah, you know, I buy them stuff. I take them out, give them the childhood that they wish they had. So that's that's all I'm doing. Is I hang out with them. I have no choice but to be a proper role model. You know, so making sure that I win every day, and I'm making sure that not even win, but having fun, staying positive, and being a good role model for them. That is what I do, and that's what motivates me every single day. Hey, my hat's off to you, man. That's, once again, the sign of a future world champion. So props to you for doing that. Now, we spoke briefly about this off-air, and uh, I got to ask you about uh, Jose Aldo. How do you feel about him messing up the name Jose for everyone else? <laughs> everyone calls me Jose now. Like, it's, it's just, they don't even ask anymore. It's just like, Jose? I'm like, uh, sure, man, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even fight it. That's why I just tell people, like, again, my neighborhood's all Mexican, Latino. So anytime someone says Jose, everyone turns around. So I'm like, dude, just just call me Shorty. I'm small. You remember easier. Just call me Shorty, please. So it works out that way. There you go. Yeah, my mom's Mexicana. So for me, you know, the name Jose, like we talked about off air, man. You know, in the beginning of uh, his WEC career, they called him Jose, but then they randomly started calling him Jose. So I was like, um, okay. But anyways, before yeah. before we get out of here. Jose, I got to know, man, your boy John Jones is fighting D.C. Obviously, you got to pick Jones to win, but is he going to finish him this time? I mean, truthfully, I believe he will. The guy, I've never seen, you know, there's, there's, there's people you see train that train hard, and there's people that you see that train different. There's either different in a good way and different in a bad way. Jones is definitely in the good way. You know, he hired a nutrition, and he doesn't even need him. He's made weight every single time, but he goes, you know what? I want to make my body better and stronger. Lou, you're hired. Oh, I need a strength and conditioning program. Dude, I'm going to get stronger, faster. I want to be able to slam DC. And he did that in his first fight. He also, being able to do what he did at DC already, take him down and do all these things against a, you know, an Olympic medalist or an Olympic qualifier is awesome. You know, Jones is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I mean, even looking at him, he's very deceptive with his strength. I mean, I picked him up. I was having fun with him. But he just grabs you and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's real. Like, this guy's extremely strong. Like, you don't notice it. But Jones is a phenomenal athlete. I believe easily, easily he'll finish him. I say I say tops round three, and that's because he's toying with him. Yeah, man, I mean, I definitely got Jones there as well. I think he's the greatest of all time. I think that the criticism for his OSP fight it comes from uh, I don't want to I don't want to talk shit and say people that don't really get the sport, but to me, when you come off a 15 month layoff and you win 50 44, uh, that's like getting an A on an exam and people telling you that you failed. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't yeah. get, I don't get how people are talking shit about that performance. The only the only reason people are talking smack is because he didn't finish him. You know, we expected the 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 crazy John Jones where he's doing spinning elbows and kicking people in the face and doing all that stuff. That's that's great, and we all would love that. But if you come off a 15-month layoff, 
you want to be able to play safe just in case. You know, there is such a thing as ring rust. You know, you forget things. You're like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm back in the situation. So him playing the fight the way he did, it was a technical fight. He beat a pretty good fighter, and he just he broke him down. Did he get the finish? No, but at the end of the day, he got the W, and that's all that matters. Yeah, and if there was no time limit, he would have for sure finished him. Or maybe, you know, another 20 seconds in that fourth round. But it was Jones' fight all day. It was a clear 50-44. So like I said, man, I don't really, I don't think he's declined one bit. It was just he had to do what he had to do to get the victory there. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. Yep. So anyways, Jose, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Right here, right now on Half the Battle, just let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and what you got coming up, man. Yeah, please um, follow me on social media. My Instagram is Jose Shorty Torres. My Facebook is Jose Shorty Torres MMA. And my Twitter is Shorty Torres125. Lastly, my YouTube. I also do uh, weekly vlogs during my training camps to keep people updated as much as possible. Uh, it is Jose Shorty Torres on YouTube. And again, anybody has any questions, please, I'm more than happy to help with anything possible. Um, you know, that's all I want to do is inspire people and motivate people. But from right now, I believe I'll just be a spokesperson at the World Tournament in July. Uh, during UFC 200, and then I'll fight most, more than likely in September for Titan FC for my third professional fight, and I'm just having a great time, and I'm hoping everyone enjoys the show. And again, if, everyone's, you know, if anyone has any questions, just hit me up. I'm more than happy to help. Absolutely. Thank you again for the time, Jose, and for all the fans. Thank you for listening to Half the Battle. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And until the next time, enjoy the fights. <laughs>